0: This is three women and a bottle of wine, three friends, three former TV reporters, and one bottle of wine delving into whatever interests us
1: news, not news, what affects our lives because it's probably affecting yours, too. Mm. I'm Kim Inslee. I'm Lynn Melling. And I'm Julie Barkey. And now on with the pod. Hello, everybody, and welcome to three women and a bottle of wine. I'm Kim. And I'm Lynn, and Julie is here in spirit with us tonight. Like many of us these days, she's multitasking, helping out with a school fundraiser as we speak, just, you know, mom wearing lots of hats. Today, we are welcoming a woman who puts Civic Thinker at the top of her LinkedIn bio. We're very excited.
0: She literally does, which I've never (laughs) seen that before. So Shannon Watson is VP of Public Affairs for the St. Paul Area Chamber of Commerce. And that's just one of the hats she wears, speaking of multitasking, right? Mm -hmm. Shannon is founder of Definitely Someday, which helps women looking to make their dream of running for office a reality. And her latest venture is Majority in the Middle. It's a nonprofit seeking a better way to restore civility in government. Shannon, we want to welcome you. It's so good to see you.
2: Thank you. You too. I'm excited to be here.
0: We're glad to have you here. And I want to start with I wanna start with majority in the middle. So the mission of that, what is this?
2: You know, so this is a new organization um, that's really designed to be a space for those who are no longer comfortable um, sort of on the extremes of politics, Mm -hmm. but who do believe in politics and democracy uh, because as the extremes get further and further apart and there's this sort of chasm in the middle, when thoughtful people opt out of politics and policy creation, the, the worse this division gets And so we really need those people who believe in civil discourse, in bipartisanship and compromise, and then just sort of setting a better example for the next generation. We need those people to step forward, um, not opt out. And so,
1: yeah. So refreshing. What a breath of fresh air. It's so (laughs) nice to have this conversation. I can almost feel the breeze coming through right now. Thank goodness. (laughs) I mean, it feels like we've been more and more divided over the past decade, I feel like every year we say, oh, we've never been this divided. And then the next year we say, oh, we've never been this divided. So yeah. was there an aha moment for you um, in creating this? Or was it a process that happened over time? What was the straw that broke the camel's back or you just said, I've got to do something about this?
2: You know, it was actually, it was the, um, that's an easy question to answer. It was the night of the first presidential debate, um, Biden Trump. Trump. And I will say like, I didn't I didn't watch the debate. I didn't need to. Um I sort of knew how it would go. Um and that it wasn't really sort of the way I wanted to spend my time. Um and so I didn't I didn't watch it. But I watched social media afterwards. And what I saw was people on the right doubling down on how great their candidate was and how awful the the left was. And I saw people on the left doubling down on how great their candidate was and how awful the other guy was. And and then I saw the people in the middle who were like, I I don't want any part of this. And the thing that struck me the most is like, I've got a lot of friends who have worked in politics, who have worked for government for years and years and years and years. And even those people were starting to say, this is enough, I'm out. And that's a problem. I mean, when you have the, you know, sort of the the true believers and, and the people who, who have put their blood sweat and tears over you know sometimes decades mm-hmm. um when you have them saying this is enough this is not what i'm this is not what i'm i'm thinking of and i was like okay because i've i've been a huge proponent of bipartisanship for years and you know compromise and all these things and so i was like okay enough i gotta do something i don't know what it is but i got to do something and so i thought for a little while i did some research um i sort of i sort of stood up this organization like i you know, picked a name and stood up an organization. <laughs> I wasn't entirely sure what it was gonna do, but I was like, okay, we gotta do something. Um, and then I started having conversations with people, people on the right, people on the left, individual conversations, um, group conversations, uh, you know, current legislators, former legislators, and um I just started keeping a list of of what were the issues and what are the things that you know people were were all sort of having in common. And um so yeah, so I just dumped them on the website and was like, let's let's tackle some of these things. Um, you know, there's the the African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything further than this that, that needs to be so you know, it can't just be just me saying, here's what we do. Um sure. but I can I can convene a table and and I can provide some direction and I just need other people to come and and join the join the club, I guess.
0: Yeah, and people should understand that you you have a background in this. You know, this mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the you reached out to me, which I was tremendously flattered mm-hmm. that you did that. Um, and you told me about this. And I thought, I mean, just the name alone, it's like, yeah. It's brilliant. So right? <laughs> Thank I you. and I initially I thought it was gonna be about, you know, candidates. Let's get people to run who are I mean, you, I guess you can't be bipartisan. You well, you can be bipartisan, but you have to have a have a party, right? But mm-hmm. it's not about the candidates. about It's about the issues. So, if you go to the website, you'll see all these tiles that talk about the different issues that you're you're looking at. So, it, describe that to me, and then your vision for for tackling things like hyperpartisanship and silos that lead to division and things like that. I mean, it's these are big, big things.
2: <laughs> they are.
0: Um, what are you thinking about, Shannon? <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. um, I I got the opportunity this year a couple of different times. I'm a, a Humphrey policy fellow uh, this mm-hmm. year um, and going through that application process. And then I was um, doing sort of another side project. And I got the opportunity to sort of clarify my values. The one thing that I really care about, like I care about policy, I care about politics. I've worked for people on both sides of the aisle. I've worked nonpartisan, partisan. I've worked on policy stuff. Um, I've worked on campaigns, I've worked in the National Conference of State Legislatures and up at the Capitol and in lobbying and in a lot of different spaces. And the thing that I really care about is how people experience politics. And it's it's just like that. Like even if you don't win, if you if you don't have a terrible experience not winning, then you you're much more apt to try again. But um I found this with with first-time candidates would definitely someday. Um uh, First time candidates almost always lose mathematically. I mean, you know, 50% of at least 50% of all candidates lose because, you know, if you have a two person race, sure. One, right? Down <laughs> it's yep. all, only one person is going to win. Even if journalists
1: have... can do that kind of math, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's saying something.
2: <laughs> well, now I'm going to complicate it. If you have seven candidates running for the same office and only one of them wins, that's sure. like a. I don't know, 13 14%. I think, I don't know. I'm
0: It's not good.
2: <laughs> right. Right. So like that that makes it it fall down even more. A lot of first-time candidates are also surrounded by people who are who are first-time politicos and first-time campaign staffers and, you know, they they come to this not because it's fun, but because they care about this person and they care about whatever it is that inspired them to run. Um and if the candidate has a terrible experience, then they don't ever want to do it again the people who are their donors and their supporters and their family, like then they don't want to do it again either. So it's not just one person you've sort of disenfranchised. It's it's a whole group of people. Um, so I'll, I'll be honest, like I sort of thought it was going to be about candidates and races and stuff, too. And then I started talking to people and I started really looking down and doing, you know, if then exercise. Well, what about this? Why this? And then, well, why that? Why that? And the thing that I came to figure out was that the structure of our politics and the structure of our legislators uh, legislatures is what sort of incentivizes this negative behavior and the extremism. Um, in partisan races, uh, the number one thing that stands in the way of compromise is primary challengers. Hmm. It is somebody on the right or the left who is likely to be primaried by somebody who is even further on the right or left. They're not. They're not looking for looking at opponents of the opposite party. It's it's the further extreme. So that's really sort of what what stands in the way of of compromise.
0: Um,
2: winner but, take all systems. Go ahead. Yeah, I
0: mean, it seems. I'm sorry to jump in, but it just hit on oh. you know, something. It seems to be like the whole structure is built upon winning or gaming the system to win. But there's no, nothing built around, how are we going to get the work of the people done? And the work of the people then tends never to get done.
2: Right. And, and I found over the years, like some people are really good at campaigning, and some people are really good at governing. And the people who are good at governing are almost always terrible candidates.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they talk too much about nuance and issues. And their hair usually is unkempt (laughs) and yeah, Yeah. they're, they're not photogenic.
2: Not attractive. That's because they do not have attractive families. You know, they all look like Bernie. Um, (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah,
2: Yeah, not all of them, but you know, yeah. But that's the thing when, when you have the, the, the marketed package of what, uh, what a leader looks like, and what a winner looks like, um, and how they talk and, and how they, you know, pat people on the head and, and shake hands and, and whatever, and I mean, obviously, like campaigning, it's it's a contest. It's it's my idea is better than your idea. My guy or my girl is better than your girl. You know, those kind of things. Um, but then when you when you set all those people down who have just been fighting against each other, you know, the week before, and then hey, look, it's January third. Okay, get something done. Work together. Mm-hmm. If if the system is not set up to incentivize that, and then the other thing is you talk about majorities, like the. The US Senate right now is a brilliant example of how broken the system is when it is a winner-take-all system. They spent what, two weeks trying to figure out who was going to be in charge because they were at a 50-50 split. Like that shouldn't be hard. Just co-chair everything. <laughs> but like yeah. from my perspective, just, just share. Like, yeah, yeah. We teach yeah. first graders <laughs> to share.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Members of Congress shouldn't learn to share. But that's not how the system is Good set luck up. with that. It is, yeah. I know,
1: right? And so it seems so like, and maybe I'm just thinking nostalgically about the past, but it seems like years ago, there was more of this diplomacy. I, I lived in Iowa for a number of years and mm-hmm. there was great stories about Governor Ray. He was a governor... Um, I think in the late 70s, early 80s, and somebody's gonna correct me, so please do. Um, but he famously had a ping pong table in the basement of the state capitol. And when when senators and re, um, you know, Republicans and Democrats rather would be at odds, mm-hmm. he would have them go down to the basement of the Capitol and they'd play a game of ping pong. And the rule was you couldn't talk about politics, you just had to get to know the other person and and I, I just love that story so much I, I i always refer to it whenever we talk about civility and politics and and do you think that a is something like that ever possible again or and or b i mean or, or do we have a misconceived notion of what the past used to be i mean has um i mean was it the good old days were they really the good old days and do we have a chance of of rekindling some of that? sportsmanship, I guess, in, in politics?
2: Well, you touched on the major part. It's the relationships. It's when you know someone as a person, um, it's it's much harder to hate them, even if mm-hmm. you disagree with them. Um, it's much harder to lob bombs at them on Twitter. Um, in the good old days, there was no Twitter, uh, which I have a love-hate relationship with Twitter. I love Twitter, but um, <laughs> as a tool, it, it can be used for evil. So I think, this this is a this is a really weird thing to say ethics rules um in some ways have disin, disincentivized um spaces where uh republicans and democrats would would gather together and break bread hmm. um and so they have less and less opportunities to talk to each other outside of committee hearings where you've got one per one side on one side of the table and the other side on the other side hmm. of the
1: table interesting like in
2: opposition yeah so like minnesota's got some really strict campaign finance laws which is is really good. And like as a lobbyist, because I'm a registered lobbyist in the state, state of Minnesota, I cannot give a legislator anything that is worth more than $5. So like fancy coffee at Caribou is out. <laughs> uh, Just which, straight
0: coffee, gas <laughs> yes station right. coffee.
2: Coffee air <laughs> Americana and that is all, no cream, no whip, <laughs> no double puff of vanilla or whatever it is. I'm hoping you don't have a sponsor issue that I have just called
0: <laughs> no, no, out. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll drink coffee of any type. Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> All right.
2: Um, equal opportunity to coffee. So that's, that's part of the challenge is that, that anytime, and you know, honestly, if, if you're, you're not going to change a legislator's mind, if you buy them $20 worth of dinner, like, mm-hmm. like that just doesn't happen. Um, but the perception that that lobbyists all walk around with checkbooks in their pockets and it's all a money-driven bi- business is not true. Now, that being said, you know, I have heard stories from colleagues about the 80s where people are walking around drinking and smoking in the Capitol and and some rambunctious behavior happening that, that probably did need to be cleaned up um, to make the legislature a more professional work environment. Um, but at the same time, when when you're not encouraged to to get to know people on the other side mm-hmm. um, as individuals. And one of the things that was so hard when I was talking to some legislators um, back in December, and I heard this from both parties, there were times where somebody would try to reach out to the opposite side and they would be ridiculed in their caucus for doing hmm.
1: so. Oh, that's like preschool.
0: Getting, the, so the issues that you want, let's say it, it could be education, it could be, um, making sure everybody has a right to vote. <laughs> mm-hmm. We've got redistricting coming up. That's going to be a big one as well. What's Walk me through what you would like this group to be able to do. I mean, are you looking to pick one issue and maybe focus in on that um, or a smorgasbord? How's it taking shape?
2: Yeah, I would say one of the things, one of sort of the founding values that I want for this organization is that we don't replicate the work of other organizations. Mm -hmm. So somebody else doing this work. So like, Braver Angels um, is an organization that's been around since twenty sixteen. Was co founded by a a professor at the U U of M. Um, They teach people how to talk to each other and how to um, have the conversations with people you disagree with. So like, that's not something that we would do. However, um, we would look at the structural issues like. Um, We mentioned just a minute ago, not being able to get to know each other as people. Um, One of the things at, and I'm using Minnesota sort of as a test case um, because it's the only divided legislature in the country. So this is kind of, this is a really good pilot place that let's like the house of representatives. They are all office in the state office building, but the floors differ based on the caucus. Um, So, you know, the majority is up on top floors and the minority is on the lower floors and Hmm when the majority and minority switch, then they switch, but they, I
1: didn't, I had no idea.
2: Yeah. So, so you don't see very rarely. I mean, you literally see people only like in the committee hearings and on the floor when you're, when you're being in opposition and that's, and that's, you know, not in COVID times when everybody's actually in the building. So like one of the things that that we've talked about uh, that I've talked about with some other people outside is why, why don't we mix up the offices? Like do a lottery or do it by seniority across parties so that you might have a Democrat officing next to a, to a Republican. And those people would have to use the same microwave at lunch.
0: (laughs) They would have to talk to each other. Yeah, You have
2: to talk to each other. They could share the elevator up to the fifth floor. If they were both on the fifth floor, they could, you know, see pictures of each other's grandkids art hanging on the wall. And that, I think that would just help sort of humanize people um, and give them those opportunities because that's the way relationships are formed. Mm -hmm. Little bitty, little bitty things. Um, so that's the thing. So like, there's a lot of issues. There's, you know, there's, there's taxes, there's, there's immigration, there's education, there's a zillion different things. Um, but what I want this organization to look at is those structural things that stand in the way of any other conversation.
1: Yeah. That's brilliant. So how can, how can people get involved? So if, if, I'm sitting here right now saying I want in. How do I, like, how do I, what do I do? How can people get involved and, and contribute to this movement?
2: Gotcha. Um, so our website is www.majoritymiddle.com. Um, we have a newsletter uh, that you can sign up for there. We have Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn accounts um, that you can follow. Um, we have applied for a 501 c3 designation from the irs we are taking money um of course <laughs> there's plenty of opportunities to donate um uh if, if that c3 designation goes through which i don't have any reason to think it wouldn't but uh until it does i'm telling people you know you're Donation might not be tax deductible, but if it is, then it will be retroactive.
0: I (laughs) I think people wouldn't care so much if it got some good work done. We're going to take a little break for our sponsor, and when we come back, our favorite part, our final flight. We'll be right back. Three Women and a Bottle of Wine is supported by 515 Productions. 515 Productions is a video production business with base camps in Minneapolis and Des Moines, Iowa. Ian and his crew understand the art of creative storytelling and they know how to make video look fantastic. Learn more at 515productions.com.
1: Our logo was created by Leah DeSalt, a creativity guru offering art workshops to everyone from business executives to book clubs because we all have untapped creative potential just waiting to be unleashed. You can find her contact information on our website. You can stay up to date on our podcast by checking out our website,
0: Three Women and a Bottle of Wine.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where you'll find behind the scenes photos and of course, much, much more. Be sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to our show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And we're back and time to pour another glass for our final flight. These are just some questions we like to toss in to learn a little bit more about our guests, kind of rapid fire. So first up, voting is a big deal for you. How excited were you for your first... Election? Not at all. What? When
2: when I when I when I turned eighteen, so I grew up in Kansas. Um, My my dad was a he was when I turned eighteen he was the deputy chief of police. Um, And my mom was kind of a
0: bummer when you're a teenager, right? It absolutely (laughs) was. I've never had a ticket
2: (laughs) fixed in my life. Um, But uh, he had a particular he had a particular judge that he wanted to win. Um, and I wasn't going to go vote, but he was like, you're 18. Yes, you are. You go over there and you vote. So I had, I had to go vote for this one judge. And I think I filled out some other things, but it was, I mean, it was a local election. And you know, when I was 18, I wasn't, I wasn't into politics the way that I thought I was, that I thought I would be. So Hmm.
0: yeah, look at me now. (laughs) Speaking of what you do now, so in a Previous life I worked for meet Minneapolis. So chambers of commerce, convention bureaus, all that is near and dear to my heart. So you work for the St. Paul Area Chamber of Commerce. So I have I to ask you, your your favorite thing to do in St. Paul.
2: Oh, goodness. Eat my way through all the restaurants.
1: Oh, amen. Oh, long says, to do that same again? Thing.
0: Yes.
2: That has been the hardest part of COVID for me is. Not spending all of my paycheck on takeout food, <laughs> the the restaurants that I eat at all the time. Like, please don't go under. Please don't go under. Please don't mm-hmm. go under. Um, you know, I I will I will do as much takeout. But um, St. Paul's got so much good food. Minnesota in general has got so much good food. And the the COVID. I mean, not to be a downer, but the COVID has really sort of shown a light on on how how hard it is to run a restaurant. How narrow margins that they operate under. I mean, if you've got a, if you've got a restaurant that's doing 3% profit mm-hmm. at the end of the year, I mean, that's, that's a super duper success. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. I miss sitting in those restaurants,
1: soaking up that mm-hmm. ambiance and good mm-hmm. food.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: absolutely. All right. Last question. Best okay. political book and why?
2: Hmm. Oh, how do I answer this question and not get politically in trouble? <laughs> um, I'm looking over my shoulder because I've got I've got a bunch of books here that I've that I've are, are my research. Um, you know, Nate Garvis over at um uh at uh, yeah. Studio One, yes. Um he's got his Naked Civics book um is is a good one. Um, Naked Civics? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um Nate was kind of on the forefront um, several years ago of the angertainment. He was one of the first people to call this out, like like the hmm. problem that um, hmm. cable news and people shouting at each other. He 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 wrote a book about this in like 2010. Um, so I told him he's like 10 years ahead of me. Um, <laughs> tell me how to fix this, and then I won't have to do any work. Uh, the leadership secrets of Colin Powell, which is not necessarily hmm. a, a, a political book per se, um, but it's that that one's great. The the one I'm the one I sort of carry around like my Bible um right now is um uh, Arthur Brooks Love Your Enemies. Oh um, yeah, that's a that's a good one. It's a quick read. So yeah, like I mean You, you know, are a
0: walk. There's...
1: You are a poet. <laughs> <laughs> you should see her face, you guys. You can, we're on Zoom and her face just lit up talking about these books. Yeah, I, I love it. I
2: am I love it. I, I unfortunately don't have much of a life outside of work. <laughs> Um, so luckily I love what I do um, and it it kind of feeds my soul so
0: well I'm going to say the website again is the the group is called majority in the middle the website is majority middle.com and so you can go there and you can look and see the issues that they're talking about you can sign up for the newsletter that Shannon was telling you about Um, and you can volunteer or apply to be part of it and get in on the ground floor of maybe trying to fix a few things. Oh. actually get some stuff done.
1: yes, i feel optimistic. just after this last 20 minutes i feel like there's there's hope for some change going forward.
2: that's awesome. hope is hope is what you should feel.
1: thank you so much for being here talking absolutely. to us thank today. absolutely thank you ladies. this was delightful.
2: we should do this again.
1: yes, in person. that would be
2: awesome. yes, in st paul in a restaurant. I won't name one because then I'll have to name (laughs) 10.
0: I know you tell some. It's a date. All right. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.